ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Wednesday, September 16th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up today on the program, I'm pretty excited for this because if you don't know who my guest is, you're soon going to find out. Emily Van Buskirk, she has a podcast, Sideline Sass. I'm just going to let you, if you don't know who she is, uh, she's fun to follow on Twitter. So I'm just going to let you discover her. She's coming in for the game. Of course, she covers college athletics nationally. And so she's coming in for the game. She was here last year as well. And uh, she was a fun follow during the Herd game last year. And I'm looking for more of the same for the game. Uh, she does a good job covering college athletics, and uh, she had, a, I think on her last podcast, she had Brendan Knox on. So uh, we're going to talk to her. She's coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. Plus, as I mentioned, we'll get your phone calls in. And uh, tomorrow, I'll give you a heads up, uh, we're going to talk Appalachian State football with the voice of the Appalachian State Mountaineers. So that's coming up as well on tomorrow's show. Just kind of give you a preview of that. Where do we begin? The Big Ten. I don't know what to think about this because the Big Ten came forward and basically said, look, we're concerned about the well-being of our student-athletes, so we're not going to play. We're going to revisit this later and you know maybe play uh, down the road, but we're not going to do this. We're concerned about the health, safety, well-being. You know, We're just not certain right now. So a few other conferences, including the Pac-12, follow. The MAC, of course, MAC was the one that said, look, we're not doing it. And so once the MAC went and then the Big Ten went, the Pac-12 went, the Mountain West went, and you were thinking, okay, will the ACC do this? Will the SEC? What about the Big 12? Are they going to do this? And you saw the division lines. Some belt said, no, we're not doing this. We're going to do it this way. And Conference USA said, no, we're going to do it this way. Uh, we're going to play. We're going to make it happen. We're going to play. And so far, Marshall off to a good start. Other institutions, West Virginia, off to a good start, able to demonstrate that they could put this together and make it work. Here we are, Big Ten, still saying, no, we're not going to do this. But they changed their mind. A lot of pressure, lawsuits, public opinion. This was a conference that once upon a time would have probably just ignored all of this and said, look, we're going to do things the way we do things because we're the Big Ten. Well, not today. The Big Ten is more like the SEC. It's more about football for the Big Ten. And so they cave into the pressure. And it's not for me to discuss if it's the right decision or the wrong decision because I don't know what they're looking at as far as their science, their metrics, what their experts are telling them. The rapid testing is going to be huge for the Big Ten. You would think these major research institutions would be able to come up with a solution for testing and put other things into place that make this happen. You would think all of this. And there's a, a article in USA Today. I, I don't know if it it's opinion piece. It's biting because no expense will be spared to make sure that the Big Ten is able to rapidly test student-athletes. But it was biting on USA Today's opinion piece because 
this is going to happen for the student athletes. This is going to happen for the football programs, but not for people who maybe really need testing. And so I invite you to read that piece just for a different perspective. But the Big Ten making the announcement that it's going to happen October 21st. I'm sorry, October 24th is the date to allow for everything they want to do. They even want to have a conference title game because, well, they're now back in play. You've got the Pac-12 not playing. And right now, physically, I don't know if they could get anything off the ground with all of the situations that are happening, fires included. It's just not healthy right now to breathe the air in some spots of the West Coast. And so I I don't even think they're thinking football. They can think football right now. But the Big Ten's coming out with their announcement they're going to play today. And then the Mountain West, they're announcing that they're working on daily solutions, uh, trying to figure out, okay, what can we do? Because the Mountain West probably wants to come back to play. So they're looking at their plan. They're going to try to, again, and it comes down to this. We talked about this before. Rapid response testing. And these universities and these athletic departments and these programs are not going to spare any expense to make sure that rapid response testing happens for their programs. I mean, Marshall's testing frequently. I mean, they're looking at rapid response testing here in the Big Ten and the Mountain West. And then you've got the Mid-American Conference. Mid-American Conference says, look, um, no, because the MAC was the first to come out and say, look, we're going to cancel the fall sports season. The MAC comes out first, says we're going to cancel the fall sports season, and other conferences follow, but the MAC's not going to change course. The MAC comes out and says currently there are no plans to play a fall season in any sport. This is MAC Commissioner John Steinbrecher. The statement reads, we are focused on providing our fall student-athletes meaningful competitive experiences in the spring. So that's where we're at right now. Mountain West looking for a way to come back. The Big Ten coming back. The MAC not coming back, so you have all of these different avenues that are being taken. The Pac-12 just sitting there right now, like, what do we do? And it's going to be very hard to make that happen because, again, the air quality in California and parts of the the West Coast is terrible right now. It's not safe to be outside in some areas, and you can't sit there and come up with a plan and say, hey, let's play football, and you really can't even breathe the air. So there are bigger issues right now that are kind of plaguing what's happening on the West Coast. And so uh, my guests will talk about that with her when we continue. Also, we'll look ahead to this Marshall game. Emily Van Buskirk, she's joining me, writer for the Sports Fan Journal. She's also one of the co-hosts of the Sideline SAS podcast. She's coming on the program when we continue with today's edition here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is going to be fun. I was going to tell you right now, this is going to be fun. Welcome back. Paul Swan, your host for The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're presented this hour by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. I want to welcome to the program now. She's a writer for the Sports Fan Journal. Also, she's one of the co-hosts of the Sideline SAS podcast, and she has several projects going on. So I'm probably not hitting them all, but you can follow her on Twitter. You can follow her work everywhere that good college sports fans go to follow good college sports writers. And Emily Van Buskirk, did I hype you too much joining us on the program, or do I need to hype you some more? 
No, you're totally fine. I um, I need very little introduction because I'm about to make a splash here. So <laughs> I'm not going to reveal what our pre-show conversation was. Let's just to say I am uh, I'm excited for this because uh, you hit town last year. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. here thinking, man, what a missed opportunity for me to, to have you on the show because you are all over social media with your just your love for Marshall in general. I honestly, I got to say, and, and obviously it's a big shout out to Chuck and Jason and everybody. As, as a traveling sports writer, especially last season, I was on this crazy cross-country trip and I went to so many different schools and environments, but... Marshall, the athletic department is so helpful. They're so good at their job, the SIDs there. And it was just such a welcoming environment. And, you know, to be there last year on the anniversary of the plane crash, that was such a, I mean, I truly, I've been all over the country and that was one of the most special, you know, games that I've ever covered. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a feel girl when I, when I hook onto a program that just feels right. That's where I end up, my loyalties lie. So I have a few of them, but Marshall's definitely on the list. I'm excited to come back. Let's back up just a little bit, give somebody who maybe isn't familiar with you sort of some context of what you do. Now, you, sure. you have a podcast which is growing. It's it's very popular. It's Sideline SAS Podcast. And mm-hmm. it's um it's not your typical stodgy old podcast with some some guys talking sports. Uh, it's completely uh, one. It's completely legit because uh, you're not just on there. You know how people get they have a podcast. They talk about whatever comes to mind. No, mm-hmm. you actually bring a lot of credibility to what you do on your podcast. But at the same time, it's way fun and probably more fun than most of the podcasts that are out there covering sports. But probably one of the best compliments you could ever give me. So, you know, don't stop. But uh, I do try and, you know, the idea when when I first started it with my partner was um, to try and bring kind of a fun take to sports in general. And it's just morphed into this, you know, roster of of people that I've met throughout my time. I've been doing this now for seven years covering sports, college football in particular. And I've met so many interesting people with so many interesting stories, and it's a shame to not share those with the world. So, yes, I do try and have kind of a game plan for every episode, but they do take on a life of their own with the guests and the questions, and there's a lot of secrets revealed and a lot of, you know, fun tidbits that come out. So it's definitely, I feel like, worth listening to the whole episode. You never know what you're going to get. And you never know what someone's going to say, especially me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's the the charm of it. You're being yourself at the same time. You're putting the work in where a lot of people, as I mentioned, again, you know, it's easy now these days to get a microphone, to get a recorder, and just throw something together and put it up on the Internet and say, here it is. It's a podcast. But uh, you actually put the work into it, and you've got the credentials to back it up because you're not just doing this you know, because, hey, I, I just want to hear myself talk. Uh, you've got a lot of credibility <laughs> behind you. you you've written uh, several places. Uh, you've worked in several places in the sports industry as well. So yeah, for a lot of people, it's probably hard to keep up with you because you've got so many things going on. That's so funny. That's funny you say that because I'm actually at lunch with couple of my girlfriends in the industry, Jessica Kleinschmidt, who is a very, very dear friend of mine, and one of my other friends that works for MLB, MILB, and then another girl that works for Pop Club, and we're all sitting here, and they literally, when I walked up, they were like, okay, where are you coming from, and where are you going? Because that's that's kind of the MO and, and the identity I've built for myself as being this traveling 
storyteller because I, I do think that there's interesting sports stories to be told all across the country. And the problem with fan bases and, and sports organizations is that you know your fan base and you know your rivals, but you don't really know what else is out there. And I think being able to tell, you know, all I have so many different kinds of followers, whether they're from California, which is my home state, or the East Coast, which is where my sister lives, and everything in between. You know, everybody gets a taste of something different each week, which I think is important if you're broadening your horizons as, as a sports fan um, and, and someone in the industry. Now, is your podcast the, the main home base for you? Or, you know, I know you write for the Sports Fan Journal and you've done other things. Yeah. So what's the home base for you? Uh, Sideline SAS, pretty I much it? Yeah, Sideline SAS is definitely the brand, and that's that's what I, I, I definitely call home. I work on the podcast a lot. Obviously, it's my baby, so every episode is, you know, written, produced, and edited with love. Um, but I do, I have to give a shout-out to Sports Fan Journal and to Decker, who I do, do a lot of work with. Um, they've been so great in giving me the freedom to do these stories and kind of be all over the place and, and work with me and edit all this stuff, but I've really had stuff kind of everywhere. I've been on MSN Sports, and, you know, back in the day, I was on Fox Sports. When I, I did my first story with on Fox Sports with Christian McCaffrey's mom, Lisa, who is still a dear friend, and she helped me. She told me what Christian needed to do to win the Heisman. And I actually got to spend that Heisman with the McCaffrey family, both her and Ed and their other sons, and it was an incredible experience. So, I, you know, I'm a little all over the place, but – if you follow me on social, you'll always know where I'm going to be and where my work is. So that's like the best way to keep track of everything. Now, your social media account, let's just go ahead and put it out there now. It's fun. I think that's first way to describe it. It's fun. Okay. It. Yeah, some people have – yeah, I, I have my name, so Paul Swan. It's easy to find yes. me and because, you know, I'm putting this air of professionality out there. Okay. I think it's great. Yeah, it's and you you know your personality is your screen name, and, yeah, you kind of have a, a fondness for uh, for music. So it's sort of a, a meld of music and what you do in sports with, uh, with your social. Honestly, this is my name. So MLM comes from – a lot of people don't know this, but I was a Division One athlete um, in college. I went to St. Mary's. I was recruited to run cross country on scholarship, and I, I ran for two years there, um, and then I played soccer. So when I was a freshman, I was very young. When I went to college, I was probably only, I was only, God, eight, 17 at the time, and it was the first time away from home, and yeah, I got a little crazy we had some good times and one of the things I would do is I would I would drink and I had a bunch of guy friends on the soccer team and I would get drunk and rap lyrics particularly Eminem lyrics because that was my favorite artist at the time so my guy friends christened the MLM because it was a mix of Emily and Eminem at the time and it just kind of stuck and I've had that screen name ever since I started Twitter, I've used it as my handle for there, for Instagram and everything. But the funniest part about it is that people often follow me thinking it's Eminem. They'll see it and they'll miss the L. And I've had like famous people follow me. For example, Shane Victorino followed me one time thinking I was Eminem. And I messaged him to thank him for the follow. And he realized the error of his ways and quickly unfollowed me. But it literally happens all the time. And I think it's hilarious. And I'm never keeping this handle up because it's near and dear to me. And, and it, it, you're right. It's part of the brand. I... I love music. I was a DJ um, in my early twenties in, in San Francisco in the East Bay, so uh, I'm never I'm never getting rid of it. But 
it's a good story. And plus, I remember last year you were grading the the music at Joan C. Edwards oh, Stadium. Yeah. I remember this. That is true because I started a series called Confessions of a College Football DJ, and it actually started when I was at the Louisville Notre Dame game last year. Um, and I noticed the music was so good. And I had to figure out, you know, who was doing that. And when they told me that it was a stadium DJ, I was shocked because I didn't think they used stadium DJs in college football. And lo and behold, it's actually a thing. So I started, I did one at Clemson with DJ Shea, got to interview Zabo Swinney about it. And I did one at Cal. I did one at Utah. I just did one with the Army DJ, who is actually the original college football DJ from Rutgers. So that's going to be a fun story when I get that up. And I remember coming to Marshall and asking you guys, you know, because the music was good, but there was no DJ. It was just a playlist that, that y'all cultivated and collaborated with the players and, and whatnot um, to build the good environment. And I think it was a pretty good job. You know, I, I was impressed with the attention to detail and the care that you're, that the staff there at Marshall put into the music. Joining us on the program, Emily Van Buskirk co-host of the Sideline Sass podcast. She's going to be in Huntington for Marshall and Appalachian State. Uh, you spoke to Brendan Knox a couple of weeks ago, and I think he was surprised as well about your music background. <laughs> he, I, I think I really did shock him with, with all that stuff because he he was not ready for those questions. You know, most people are asking these. That's what I love about having these players on the podcast and, and interviewing them is because they get asked the same questions about football and their expectations for the season and everything that's going on. And obviously you have to ask that, but I like to get to know them as, as people too, you know, they're kids and they like the same things that most kids like music and pop culture. And we talked about TikTok, and, you know, he said who he thought would, would be the most likely coach to have a TikTok, which I thought was so funny. Um, but he, I think I did surprise him a little with my, with my musical knowledge, but he also opened me up to some songs. So I, I look to these guys to give me some new new uh, hits for my playlist. I like it. Coach not likely to be on TikTok, of course, is Doc Holliday. I'm, <laughs> I'm still advocating yes. for that. <laughs> I think um, we will probably not see Doc Holliday on TikTok, but I think if your athletic department or if the martial athletic department could get something going – with him in a TikTok, that that would go viral because it would be hilarious. I'm still saying that there needs to be a coach's show where they read out players' text. Like, I was thinking about this the other day where they have to read and decipher emoji speak. I think that would be hilarious for some of the um, more veteran coaches. I'm pushing for this. So, you know, he likes the <laughs> Zoom meeting. I, I don't know if he listened in or heard his last Zoom, if they even kept that in there. But he commented to us. He said he's actually liking this Zoom better, one, because he doesn't actually have to see us in person, and two, I guess <laughs> we're not asking as many questions. He gets out of there quicker. He's really taking to this finally. That's impressive. I was very curious uh, how staff would – you know, acclimate to this digital form. But I've been pleasantly surprised with a lot of the coaches and and everybody figuring out how to do all this Zoom. Because I remember the first time I got on there, it was nice. So props to him for getting the hang of it. But you know what? I still miss the in-person stuff. I think there's things that you can gauge from an in-person, you know, interview and, and nuanced stuff that I miss personally as a journalist talking to guys and seeing their physical reactions. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same. 
Joining us on the program, Emily Van Buskirk. Her biggest project, of course, is Sideline Sass Podcast, Sports Fan Journal. She's on social media, and she's coming to Huntington for Marshall and Appalachian State. So what made you decide this game? Was it the fact that you hadn't been to Marshall in a year? Appalachian State's coming in ranked. I mean, what made you choose Marshall for this particular week? Well, I want to be clear that I did try and come out for the season opener. I tried to come out for the first game, but I know that Marshall's athletic department was trying to figure out how to safely accommodate media, and so it was kind of a, a, a process, like a curve for them to figure that out. So after talking with Jason, I had been in New York, and I decided to stay at the Middle Tennessee game um, and then head to Miami after that. But as soon as I saw that there'd be an open weekend for me to come out there and, and see this matchup, um, I, just, I, I said I had to. So I texted Jason immediately and was like, I'd love to come out. And he's been great. So helpful getting out to this. I'm excited to see, to see two top 25 teams. I'm also doing, I'm having one of the, and don't hold this against me, Marshall fans, but I'm having one of the Appalachian State um, media, digital media guys come on my podcast. I don't know if you saw, they recently did a video with a player that was coming out of the river. Did you happen to see that? No, I don't think I have. Now I need to. Okay, I'm going to have to send it to you. But basically, like, digital media departments are getting more and more clever. They're, They're getting creative. And all these videos you're seeing in college sports are just becoming so advanced. And a part of that is hiring great creative people to create the content, whether it's video or social or photo. And it's honestly a big recruiting tool because a lot of young, you know, high school players, they see those videos and they think, okay, I want to, I want that made about me. I want to go to a school that values this kind of like project and this kind of um, exposure. So I'm actually having one of the videographers from App State come on to talk about how he thought of and created this incredible river video. And they also did one with Stranger Things, like an underground um, upside down reveal of the uniform. So um, it's, it's becoming a thing. We also saw Joe Burrow's video after the national championship, you know, him in the crowd of people, the slow motion, these kinds of things are, are changing college athletics and they're becoming more and more like professional sports. And that's, I think it's going to have an impact on recruiting. So I'm excited to talk to this young man about his thoughts on that. You remember when texting used to be the big thing? We get to text the <laughs> athletes. You remember? And it, oh, this is going to change recruiting. And that's, that's so 2000 and what, 10? <laughs> it really is because social media has changed the game. If you're not on social and you're not, you know, on Instagram or any of these things, TikTok now is even a thing where people are you know, connecting with athletes and whatnot. So you really have to have a good group of people in your department that keep up with this stuff so that they can be on that level because kids pay attention to that. Young athletes know when you're not keeping it 100, as the kids say. Do you think that with all the social media now that mm-hmm. we're going to see um, – I guess we're already seeing it this year, but the coaches, they're slow to change sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's moving so rapidly here. I mean, can you envision maybe if, say, an Appalachian State or a Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, a Conference USA, a Mac school gets really good with social, that could be what turns the tide for some of these programs? Honestly, I've been pushing for this for a while because Conference USA is like this kind of undiscovered 
diamond in the rough. That's honestly how even Brendan Knox described it on the podcast. And I've been working on a story since uh, since the last year in the Super Bowl when I interviewed Richie James and Trent Taylor, two guys that were in that game. I mean, part of the teams that were in that game. And Conference USA puts a lot of talent from the field into the league. And I think, honestly, they deserve a seat at the college football table at this point. But to your question, yes, having good social media presence, having forward-thinking, creative people in your athletics department is very important as being seen as a relevant program. You're not going to see LSU with any you know, bootleg video photos. You're not going to see the Ohio State to the world. I think what COVID has shown us and everything that's going on is with all this time to create, we've seen these accounts get more and more clever and more and more creative. And that's, that's a huge thing. And from what I can see, Marshall is bringing on young people to help you know, push that creative envelope, which has been fun to watch. I don't know if I would call Chuck McGill young, but the staff is around him. Yes. He is young at heart, all right? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he might. I'm about to find out. Yeah, you're about to. F- I mean, maybe maybe he is young at heart. We'll find out. But uh, the staff around him, yes. Uh, I, I can honestly say that I look at these people sometimes and I think, um, where did it, where did the age go? Where where did my life go? I mean, because here I am now, and and it's it's amazing. I mean, Chad Pennington has a child who has gotten an offer from Marshall. Chad Pennington mm-hmm. has a kid wow. that could play at Marshall now. That tell you something? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not as young as everybody thinks I am, which is fine, and I will not reveal. But you're only as young as your presence online is. So. There's, there's time for you still, Paul, to change this, and I can help you do that. Okay. So, I'm going to give you to. control of my, my account because I've, I think I've gotten a little stodgy. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'll, I'll just give you the login. I've gotten a little stodgy. I mean, my Insta's, you know, my Insta's all dogs. Dog pics of me, me and my dog. Yeah, and you don't say Insta. We say ID. Oh, is that what we say? I see. Yeah. See, so, okay. So even then, because, you know, it's like, hey, I'm on Insta. No, you're on IC. <laughs> You're on your ID. What's your ID? You'll get there. Don't worry. Just okay. don't give me the login between the hours of 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Okay. That, those are those are my off hours. Fair. Uh, a couple of beers in me, and I get a little creative, a little too creative. So. Very fair. Joining us on the program, <laughs> Emily Van Buskirk, Sideline Sass Podcast. She's coming to cover the game between Marshall and Appalachian State. You know, we've really not even talked about the game. I don't know if that's on brand or not for us here. I know for me, I, you know, I'm all over the place at times. It's true, but how many different things can you say about two top 25 teams coming in? I mean, people know the good things about both of these teams. They saw, they've seen them so far. I don't know that there's anything I could say that would change people's minds about what's going to happen or that would change the narrative going in. And that's the great thing about is now you guys have this huge platform, a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on national TV to plead the case. I mean, last time you played, nobody expected the quarterback situation to be what it was. And look what happened. So you have this opportunity, both teams do, to make a statement in this game. And Honestly, neither you nor I nor anybody, any media pundit could predict exactly what's going to happen, which is why I don't try and do that. Yes, I talk about the strengths and and the good parts of the game, but I like to sit back and let it ride because it's going to be fun football either way. Okay, so when's the podcast drop? Before the game or after? Oh, the new one that I'm having? Yeah, new one. 
Yeah, so I believe I'm, I'm going to try and get it out before the game starts so that people can kind of hear a little bit about it. Um, but I'm, I'm looking to maybe do some podcasting while I'm in town. Uh, word is some former players are coming back for the game. One of them is a Twitter friend of mine. I'm not going to mention who in case it doesn't pan out, but uh, I might be having a couple of Marshall players, former guys, uh, join me for a podcast that weekend. So we shall see. But I'm going to try and get the one with the App State videographer. And actually, Ryan Clark um, is going to be joining me as well. And that one's going to try and be up Friday, I believe. Joining us on the program, she is the host of the Sideline Sass podcast, Emily Van Buskirk. Follow her on Twitter. Also, follow her on IC. Follow her. IG. IG, IC. Oh, see. IG and SC, which is Snapchat. Okay, so so it's not Snap anymore. It's just SC and IG. Well, I guess Snap would be, that would be appropriate. You could say, yeah, Snap me. Okay, Snap um, me. Yeah. See. Yeah, let's see. You're 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 already my, you've already improved my social media game. I've kind of let it go on purpose, you know, because <laughs> you know how social media is. It gets nasty at times. It does. It can be, especially for women in sports. I 100. percent I get it. I was just on radio earlier today in the Quad Cities, and they brought up a comment some guy made about a photo that was posted this weekend with a fellow sports writer, and it's just you know you have to let it roll off your back, especially if you're a female in this industry, because you can't, you can't feed into it. You have to just be bigger and better and, and not let it get to you, which is very hard. But I found that surrounding myself with other women in this industry who are incredible and building each other up, like the lunch I'm having today with these girls is, is what you need to survive. So um, I, ha- I have fun with it. I don't feed into the negativity or like go after people or get into it. I just make jokes and talk about, you know, my nights out and my dad and football. That's it. And fullbacks, of course. To be fair, though, uh, Maria Taylor, if that's, you know, we're both yeah. on the same page, uh, she clapped back hard. She did. And good for her because she has that platform. That's the thing is, you know, she's obviously super famous and to make a statement like that, it's impactful. You know, for me to go at every Joe Schmo on Twitter is not helping anybody and not setting a good example. But I think there is a time to use your voice, and there's a time to just put your head down and work hard. Joining us on the program, her social media game is impeccable, Emily <laughs> Van Buskirk. Sideline Sass podcast, IG, is where you need to find her, or on Twitter. There's no there's no acronym for Twitter. It's just Twitter. Yeah, it's just Twitter. It's just Twitter. The worst. Twitter. I mean, we haven't even talked about Facebook, because, well, who? no one's on Facebook anymore. I know, but you know what's crazy is Facebook is actually where the most um, engagement and listens and interactions come from when you're dealing with podcasts and articles because it's weird. There are a lot of people on Facebook, but um, it's just not it's not as much of a younger crowd. But that's where a lot of the older, you know, like my mom's on Facebook, you know, and she that's where she sees my podcast. She she has a Twitter too, but she likes Facebook better, so. You can't alienate it, but you don't have to pay as much attention to it, in my opinion. I think Facebook is great for video. Uh, we're using it for high school okay. video streams. Uh, of course, you know that's sort of a stadium's uh, MO when it comes to a lot of their broadcasts. Put them right. on Facebook, uh, stream them that way. So, yeah, I think it's better for uh, as a video platform these days for this type of thing. But, you know, for that okay. immediate interaction, I think uh, Twitter still is probably where it's at. Yeah, it is. I love Twitter because, for example, coming into town this weekend to Huntington, 
I would love for people to tweet at me their recommendations for food and drinks. I'm going to be there for 48 hours, so I want to make the most of it. I love to experience all the special things that, you know, college football towns have. So I, please, people, tweet at me. Let me know where I should get drinks, where I should eat, all that. I'd love to hear it. So. I'll see you on game day. Uh, we'll all be socially distanced, of course, and uh, it, it, it'll be quite different. It was quiet. That press box was quiet last uh, game, so you might uh, you might be changing it just a little bit. <laughs> I am definitely a presence. So what was interesting about the past few games I've covered, and obviously I was at um, Army, uh, Middle Tennessee at Army, and then I was at Miami uh, UAB last weekend, and both times, the protocol is very interesting, being in media, coming in there, all the things that you need to do. It's great to keep everyone safe, but it definitely is more, you know, um, it's a lot more. You're do, you're going through checks, you're doing things, and then when you get in there, I'm used to seeing coaches and players and catching up with people and saying hi. It's definitely, for someone as social as myself, a, a change. But I think it's great that they're using you know, the plexiglass and we're not doing the game notes and paper anymore. So I think all of the measures that are being taken are incredible. And honestly, a big shout out to the athletics departments across the country that are making it possible to have media at the games and to have these games in general. So they don't get enough credit. And that's really, it's really incredible what they're doing. Emily Van Buskirk, follow her podcast, Sideline Sass. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'll give you your first recommendation. Get your breakfast at Oscars, breakfast, burgers, and brews. Oscars. Okay. The Oscars. That's that. I got it. I'm look, write look, it down you, right you now. get everything you possibly want there. You get your breakfast, you get your burgers, okay. and you get your brews. <laughs> that, that really are that's the three B's. Amen. <laughs> exactly. That's it. I mean, that's on brand. I think just a little bit. Yeah, I do love brews. I like breakfast burgers. I take it or leave it. Depends. It's really good. So it, we'll see. Okay, only well, breakfast and brews. Then I mean, you 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 don't have to take all three. <laughs> There we go. I like the picking and choosing. There you go. Emily, I'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I really do. Of course. I'll see you Saturday. Emily Van Buskirk, writer for the Sports Fan Journal, and of course, Sideline Sass podcast. She is uh, everywhere telling stories. And uh, if you haven't heard the podcast yet, really give it a, a great listen. And, and uh, she, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, Brendan Knox is hard to talk to because he's, he's so shy. I mean, he's confident. He's not... He's not an introvert, but he's sort of quiet, and, um, you know, Emily got some good stuff out of him. We will continue on with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what we learned today so far was you don't call it Insta anymore. It's IG, just no Insta, IG. And Snapchat, you can say Snap, but it's uh, SC. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We are getting you set for Marshall taking on Appalachian State all this week. Tune in tomorrow. I'll have a conversation with the play-by-play voice of the Appalachian State Mountaineers, Adam Witten. He'll be joining me on the program tomorrow, so looking forward to that. And then on Friday, no show. Heads up. We've got baseball, and then we've got high school football. All that's coming up on Friday. We'll keep you updated, of course, on social media as well. You can follow me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. That's the best place to catch me if you're looking for information about what I'm doing, what we're doing here on the show That's the best place to start. So uh, we went a little long in our last segment. That was on purpose and by design. 
because uh, we're just having too much fun with Emily. And, of course, again, I want to thank Emily Van Buskirk for joining me from the Sports Fan Journal. Also, one of the co-hosts of the Sideline SAS podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing what her social media looks like this week as she descends upon Huntington for Marshall and Appalachian State. We're going to wrap it up when we continue. Final break, and we'll get your phone calls in as well at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. That the number to call to be a part of the Miller Lite phone line here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. The Drive with Paul Swan. Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick. He knows. Paul's the best. On ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It's true. I am the best. Welcome back to Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We've got some breaking news to tell you. The Division I Council approving, according to sources, the November 25th start date as when college basketball can happen. That again, that is according to sources. Jeff Goodman on Twitter breaking that news. So there you have it. Division One Council saying that November 25th, that's going to be your start date for college basketball. If you look at the calendar and you think November 25th, why, why does that sound so familiar? It's because that's the day before Thanksgiving this year. So um, of course, Marshall would be playing on the 25th. You look at the schedule, uh, there are several other games. Now, there could be some adjustments to the schedule. I don't know. And again, there could be some adjustments from conferences saying that some games are going to have to be maybe eliminated. There's going to be maybe a different schedule come out. You don't know if there's going to have to be any adjustments. But as it stands right now, Marshall could be playing basketball on Wednesday, November 25th. That is the day before Thanksgiving. And of course... If that's the case, we'll have it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And that's going to be difficult to see what the game plan is for basketball. Is it going to be similar? Will it be a reduced capacity, which I'm pretty sure it's going to have to be? Now, it's a little different than football. Football, you have an outdoor stadium, so you have an opportunity to social distance a little better because, well, you're outdoors, open air. With a basketball situation, you're going to be inside. And it's a little bit more enclosed, okay? And we don't know what conditions are going to look like in October, November, because honestly, I know this isn't um, something that we can, I think, say with certain is going to happen, but I mean, flu season's coming. And we don't know what flu season's going to do as far as the way we perceive this virus, uh, if it's going to be mixed up with the virus, you know, you have symptoms that are very similar. And of course, I'm not a medical expert, so I can't really even offer anything that isn't pure speculation at this point. But, you know, will you see six feet apart in all directions? Uh, Are you going to see maybe a row and then empty row, a row? You know, will it be lower seating only? Will it be um, because honestly, if you take all your season ticket holders and you try to spread them out, I mean, some people, if you take them all, some people are going to be sitting pretty high. Some people are not. And then you have the band, you know, will the band be limited? I mean, I'm not worried about the media. You know, if there's not a spot for me, there's not a spot for me. That's fine. I get it. I understand completely because again, uh, football, you get a little bit more spacious area 
for the media compared to basketball. But these are all things that are going to have to be answered before we get to a point where you can say, open the doors, here comes Marshall basketball. And rapid testing, I'm sure, is going to play a part of this as well to make sure that student-athletes are going to be able to participate. And you're going to have to do this on a on a, a larger uh, volume. You've got so many more Division One basketball teams, and you have, of course, so many more games. There's going to have to be a definite rapid solution for testing. You know, protocols are going to be interesting. Of course, that means you know, we're probably not going to see. I mean, it's not going to be like the NBA. It's it's not going to be the NBA. That's one thing. NBA is on a campus and a bubble situation. We're going to have to see what October and November looks like. But as it stands right now, that's the date. 25th, that's when college basketball pretty much can resume. Or for this point, begin its season. That's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank my guest, Emily Van Buskirk from Sideline Sass Podcast. Appreciate her coming on today. Uh, We really do. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.